Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! What is up, everybody? It is the Fizzle Show. It's that time again where Chase Reeves gets to yell into a microphone while his baby sleeps in another room, I guess. Uh, And I get excited because today, like every day on the Fizzle Show, we are talking about things that are important and relevant to small business owners, people who are earning a living doing something they actually care about. It is possible. It is possible, but it is not a guarantee that you are going to find success easy in making your own business, right? So we talk about topics that we see in the real world entrepreneurs who are actually putting their butt on the line to build something need to know about this kind of stuff. So I get fired up because I work with entrepreneurs all the time. All my best friends are really entrepreneurial. Uh, we And we all have like, you know, our little campfire sessions where it's like, we blow a little smoke and it's it's like, dude, what, what are you learning? What's going on with you? Is email still the same? What about like, you doing anything on social? Anything changing there? What's your next project? You know, it's more, it's more it gets more important than social media and email really quick. It gets into what's the product? How, how's your how's your sales going? Like, what's the next thing you need to do? What's next for you? Right? These are all huge questions, um, and I love having them with my boys around the campfire and my girls. And what we do on the Fizzle Show is kind of bring some of that out. Though we do try to be a little more structured, a little more like giving you some tips and tricks uh, so you can actually apply this to your business right now where you are. Now, I'm joined today by my fearless partner, Corbett Barr. Say hello, Corbett. Hey, everybody. And, and Corbett, why don't you introduce our next guest? I know uh, he's already been on the show, Yeah, but you- I just like, this is a new episode where a lot of people are going to be hearing his voice for the first time. So give him yeah. a sense of who he is. Yeah, I mean, for those who have been li- listening for a while, you may recall our next guest from such hits as episode 291. <laughs> was it 291? <laughs> that, was, yeah, that was, yeah, that was the one. something or other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, today we're joined by Aiden Fishbein, who is uh, helping the Fizzle team lately with content development. He is knee-deep in evaluating uh, what we're going to be publishing coming up over the next six months and beyond. And uh, we are identifying little gaps and holes and things that we could be producing that uh, might help our audience a little more. So I'm really happy to have Aiden on today because this idea for today's episode came right from his heart. So Mm. Aiden Fishbein, say hello. Mm, Hello, guys. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Aiden came up with this great topic for uh, for a fizzle show that we've never actually talked about before. And. And it came from a very like a very personal story in his life where he was like dealing with this. So, Aiden, I think we should just like pass the mic to you. Tell us what we're talking about today, and then we'll just kind of get into it from there. I'm really keen to hear what was going on in your life. Like, what was what was the the impetus for you taking this topic so seriously? Yeah, yeah. So uh, first and foremost, the the topic is uh, death. <laughs> well, project death, right? So we're talking about um, postmortems, project retrospectives, uh, reviewing history, um, and, and you know, I, I'm not even really joking because when when I when I talk about this kind of thing, it, it is it's full of pain, it's full of life, um, and um, postmortems for me are, are important because. I've suffered uh, at the hands of not having a process. I've suffered at the hands of um, of 
not being able to uh, learn from my mistakes, repeating history over and over and over again, um, being being very confused as to why I'm not making uh, any traction, being confused about why why certain things aren't working. And then also, every once in a while, when you just slam a home run and, and you get really excited, but then you start the next project without really knowing where to start, that's that's almost even more crippling to me than repeating mistakes is having having a success and not knowing how to duplicate it. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of the overarching approach there. Um, and I think generally, uh, the reason I, I am so passionate about talking about this is, is I don't, I can't really blanket this, but I, I tend to feel that creatives are averse to this kind of, of planning. Um, I know personally that I'm, I pride myself on spontaneity. Uh, I pride myself on being kind of like off the cuff and seat of the pantsy. Um, but if I really am serious about supporting myself and if I'm really serious about growing my thing, I have to take it a little bit seriously. I have to do some things that maybe I'm not so naturally inclined to do, and postmortems tend to be one of those things. Love it, love it. So, what is a postmortem? I, I understand it's like looking at a project. It's looking at a project once it's done. It's dead in the water, and it's time mm-hmm. to like to to. It's like basically asking yourself, "How did that go?" Correct. Absolutely. It's 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 what happened. You know. Um, so, so the first question is, you know, what happened? Can you remember what happened? Um, and then, you know, what went well, what went wrong? Um, and then those questions then kind of parse into a thousand other questions. So depending on whether or not you're doing it internally, uh, with your own little team or you and your own little solopreneurial situation, or if you're dissecting, um, a relationship with a client, a one-off project that you did, um, it is all about looking at the project with, with hindsight being super clear um, trying to ascertain if there were red flags in the beginning that you were that you chose to ignore because you were so mm. excited about cashing yeah. that first check um, yeah. that you mm-hmm. uh, that you didn't you didn't really pay heed to uh, some dark signals um, some some dark clouds on the horizon and uh, you went forward and now you are looking back clearly um, objectively and and dissecting to see you know, what things I should avoid and what things I should do better um, and what things work really well that I should be really conscious of, of incorporating every, every single time forwards. No, I love that. That's, that's killer. I mean, to me, that really, it, that really elucidates the value of what a postmortem is. Cause I think, you know, less people, less thing people want out there is like, here's another thing to add to your to-do list that you didn't know you needed to do. You know what I mean? Like right. here's another right. thing to do, but at the same time, you're very willing to add something new if it's honestly going to shift and change something meaningful in your business, right? And what it sounds like the, the meaningful in your business thing is learning what flags to look for, learning what, like, what warning signs in a client relationship that might signal like this is not going to go super great. Or there's going to be something off about this. What, what, like, what, you know, so maybe you could tell us, uh, maybe you could tell us the, the story of like, how did this become serious to you? Yeah, yeah, no. And, and that's like, um, that's where the pain comes in, right? Um, I, there's a thousand different areas of my life where pain is the thing that actually motivates me to, to change. And this is no different. Um, so, you know, just a little ba- bit of background on me. I'm, I'm a service type entrepreneur. Um, I've always been, uh, the kind of person that that does a thing for a rate, um, and usually it's a it's a creative thing. <laughs> I'm lucky enough to say. Um, so my progression started with, like most creatives, um, doing work, cheap work 
um, to build mm-hmm. a portfolio, right? So um, in the very, very beginning, I had small, small clients. Um, you know, I'm drumming up, drumming up business. And, and eventually I came to, uh, to a crossroads where I had done enough work. My portfolio was, was big enough to where um, I was attractive as kind of an in-housey creative type for somebody that wanted mm-hmm. to hire me full-time. Um, and this was with uh, a, a pretty reputable automotive photographer. Um, if you'd seen any kind of um, magazines or advertisements for for any high luxury brands in like the early 2000s, chances are this was this was the guy. I'm not sure if I can actually mention who this was, but if you know me, you know who it is. Um, so he was a genius, a uh, creative mastermind, um, and um, and at one point. He had been, uh, you know, in possession of like a 30-person team, um, you know, a full admin staff, a, a full team of, of sub uh, kind of B-shooters, um, his, you know, water truck guys, his drivers, you know, all those, all those people like worked for him. He had them on salary. And, and when he would go places, he would bring, you know, a lot of people and then he'd hire a bunch of people there. Um, but when I started working for him, it was like after 2008, everything had kind of exploded. Um, yeah. The, the unfortunate situation with, with this guy is he, had, he, he was in Dubai shooting for Mercedes, and they, the client pulled out. And the way bids happened back in the day is, is the producer usually put up most of the cash. Um, so he literally, his whole market of automotive, got, I mean, that industry got hit so hard. And the first thing most industries cut when they get hit hard by anything is their advertising and their marketing spend. So he yeah. was he was in this perfect storm of um, of collapse. A um, couple years later, he decides uh, he wants to reinvent himself doing some video, and this is where I come in. Um, okay. So I start working with this guy, um, trying to to kind of craft his vision and and, and manifest his visions. Um, and we had some really really awesome uh, jobs, um, but each and every time we would kind of start the process. We didn't know what kind of estimate to use. We didn't know, uh, you know, the way to talk to the clients. Uh, we didn't. We didn't really know um, because know. it was a new project. Because it was video and not photo. Now, uh, somewhat, but even as we progressed, so the video to photo was new for him, but video was was seasoned for me. The issue was that every single project that we did was very similar to the last project, but we didn't know it. We couldn't yeah. see. We couldn't look at and, and mm. see that this. You know, there were three telltale signs that suggested that the project was going to go um, yeah. two weeks long. Um, it was going to go X amount of dollars over budget, or it was going to be, um, or we were going to deal with a client that was um, this kind of particular. Um, yeah. And so we had this had this situation where we all of a sudden it was six months into working with this guy, and um, I was. Uh, I was like burnt out. You know, every project mm-hmm. was like starting from square one. It was building all the estimates. It was building all the schedules. Uh, we weren't able, ever able to kind of like backtrack and use the resources that we had from the beginning um, to jumpstart our next project. And yeah. I, you know, just like me, I, I, I Google how to plan projects um, into, into <laughs> Google. And uh, the first thing that kind of pops up is something about um, project planning, but then the next thing that pops up is something about um, retrospective uh, postmortems. And um, it was in this article that I read uh, David Hanemeyer Hansen post on uh, the overratedness of failure, um, which talks about how valuable it is to learn from pain, but how 
tremendously more so learning from success and duplicating successes is like what you need to do if you're in this industry um, trying to, to do any kind of growing um, whatsoever. Uh-huh. Yeah. So instead of like avoiding things that went wrong, trying to duplicate things that went right. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like even personal development. A lot of people describe um, growing yourself is not so much as working on your weaknesses, but um, and mitigating those, but it's, it's incrementally bettering your strengths. Um, has kind of more of a compounding effect on your own personal growth. And the same is true with projects. Um, so yeah. I started crafting this postmortem process. I didn't know it was called, a, a you know, I didn't say it was a, get, get all fancy with the postmortem terminology, but it was those simple questions. It was um, kind of a handful of what went wrongs, but then, you know, when something went right, we, we paused mid-project and, and like made notes and dissected while we were going through and then upon completion of that project we kind of looked at that in hindsight um really 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 trying to duplicate reverse engineer so that we had a plan to duplicate for that in the very next project Mm. and what kind of things are you taking notes on during a project so yeah so that's a great question so things like um conversations in the beginning uh with the client how long it takes to close them right what kind of objections so it's almost like a, in, a, in a sales environment, I don't know if, uh, how many of you guys out there listening have, have worked in call centers or any kind of sales team where you have like this sheet of common rebuttals and uh, kind of like, um, I'm sorry, sh- sheet of common objections and then the rebuttals to go along with it. So in the beginning mm-hmm. of the phase of, of kind of selling projects, it was like, okay, well, you know what, when, when we get budget rebuttals from clients, um, it's not about showing off more portfolio. Um, it's not about uh, kind of coaxing and coaxing and coaxing. It's about taking it away, saying, listen, we, we have a process. We have um, our skill set. We've kind of done everything we can to, to persuade you. Um, and letting it be and, and kind of walking away and focusing on some of the other stuff um, tends to be better at convincing uh, budgetary client rebuttals than, um, than anything else. And, yeah. uh, and it shows less desperation, which in turn then shows more confidence or, or begets more confidence from the clients. So that was one example of kind of pre-project stuff. A lot of the, um, a lot of the, the kind of awareness comes from client behavior, you know, and, and those kinds of red flags. But then once in a while, when you see a client that trusts you, that gives you carte blanche um, with, with the creative job, that was something that, that was really, really important for us to like dissect so we could duplicate. Like, what is it about this client that uh, was so open-minded to our creativity? Um, and we started finding things like, you know, medium-sized clients tend to be uh, the most trusting. Big clients tend to, uh, tend to not really care too much. And, that, you know, for us, it wasn't as fun to work with big clients like that. But those medium-sized clients, um, they had enough budget, so, so they weren't so worried about spending money. Uh, they were involved. They did want to share the vision. They did enjoy collaborating. And, um, but ultimately, they trusted us and trusted our process. We could give a little pushback, and they would respect that. So that was, uh, that was a real interesting win. And that still today helps us profile clients for, for what I do um, nowadays. Wow, that's crazy. And, and this is interesting, I think, because uh, we talk a lot about identifying your ideal clients. And I think a lot of people feel like that's a process that you just do 
in your own head at the beginning of building a business, you know, you, you set out that I want to work for this kind of client because X, Y, and Z, and I think they'd be fun and blah, blah, blah. But what really happens is you can define all you want. Yeah. And then through a process <laughs> yeah. of, of pain, you're probably going to find out that a lot of those things were wrong. And what you're saying is this process of conducting postmortems, getting really serious about it, having enough artifacts and history after a project is done to be able to do a postmortem will let you then identify which clients are going to be easiest to work with, um, most, you know, you're going to have the most satisfaction from, most profitable, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this, and this, I think, you know, doesn't just apply to service-based businesses, but no, in service-based businesses, you end up having these repeating projects so often that it's easier probably to make use of this early on. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like, I love this because you gave us some really rich detail on uh, these, uh, these insights that came out of looking at the previous project. You said this thing in, earlier on, which was um, starting the next project without really knowing where to start. You know, I think this is such a powerful thing for, for especially for service-based things. But what I love is that the service-based world is a more clear picture of, I think, what really is going on in the online world. Because in the online world only, you know, in the info product world, there are very, there's differences. You don't have face-to-face interaction with your clients or customers very often, right? You have a lot of like, but at the same time, you have all of that interaction going on nonstop on your website, on your sales page, in your videos that you're making, your podcasts. And you don't have that moment to be able to ask them, how's this resonating with you? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, Does this make mm -hmm. sense? So you are actually building in both sides. That's what I love about web-based businesses is it's like, I'm building in both sides of the dialogue onto my sales page. And if, and if it gets them, it gets them. But if it doesn't get them, it doesn't get them. Whereas right. in client services, you have that immediate feedback. Like we did not get the, the contract. We right. did not get the, or this, that, and the other. So the idea of starting, not starting your next project till you know where, what you've learned from your last projects right? It seems like a really, it's like a really inspiring idea for me to like, think of going back through everything I can right now, figure out what I can learn from each of those things, see what kind of, you know, what kind of, I don't know, categories of insights that creates for me. And now going forward, maybe I have a little more of a, of awareness, a, a outside perspective on what I'm doing as I'm doing it. You know, and it's like, oh, how, how does this compare to previous stuff? I know I'm thinking about previous stuff because I just did this, the, all of this, you know, postmortem type work, figuring out what was working before, what wasn't working before. Now I can kind of pay attention as it's going. It's hard yep. to do that. This is what the this is what the Buddhists are all about. Well, and and <laughs> it's it's so it's so unnatural, right? I mean, most people just end up just jumping from one project right to the next, the next because one. you feel like the way to win is to do as many projects as fast as possible so that you get all this money in the door. But it's clear. And, and everyone I think who stays in the the services business long enough starts to understand that the way you win is through process and through being able to reuse components and pieces of work and recognize patterns, but you won't see those patterns unless you do this process. But I also want to, and I also want to say like, like at the same time, I still feel like there's going to be magic in taking risks 
Uh, I think all most of life, like you know, most of entrepreneurship is is just risks. It's like what, like mitigating the risk that you're taking, making it as safe yep. as possible, right? Um, but you're still going to be taking risks. So doing any new project is a kind of risk. Doing a new project that's a different kind of thing than you've previously been doing, and is like an order of magnitude difference in risk, right? But when you're in business and you don't know for sure, for, if you're not a medium sized company already, right? You, you kind of have to try new things. You're looking for what's next for growth. You're, you can keep it going, just working with the same kind of client again and again and again. But eventually there's, there's those plateaus or those moments where you're like, uh, I don't like, well, I mean, for a lot of people, that's what I sense their business is like. For others, it's like, dude, I cannot, I can barely put the train track down in time before the train's there. You know, it's like, it's just going so fast. This machine is just working so well. It's almost too good. And it's like, and and there's a different kind of craziness in that where the wheels are wobbling and you're flying too fast down the road (laughs) and your kids are in the back. And so you're like, I really don't want to wreck this thing. You got to do it. (laughs) You know, at the same time, you're like, there's no way of stopping this motherfucker. Oh, here we go. Yeah, you know? my, my part, it's so funny that you give that imagery because literally my, my partner, my current agency posted recently on LinkedIn. I'll try and find this, uh, this link for you. It's like an old timey guy running like a, con- a train conductor, right? Steam engine conductor. Yeah. He's like, he's like riding on the front of the train because there's a railroad tie in the way and the train's going <laughs> slow enough to where he yeah. can like get off the front of the train, go and pick up the railroad tie and like barely get it up out of the tracks and like he's sitting on the cattle guard and he's got this big railroad tie in his arms i love it and then and then there's another railroad tie and then he (laughs) deftly throws the first railroad tie it hits the second railroad tie and it flips both ties off the tracks oh man and you just it's just like 11th 11th hour just craziness perfection Um, yeah, but you you got you said two things, Chase, that that really tied a couple things together, and I'd I'd almost concluded these things um, on my own, but uh, that's why it's good to have conversations about this stuff. So, you said the product world could definitely benefit from this, and there are some similarities there, but in the service world, it's so immediate, right? Yeah, um, and I believe that this is why. You know, the natural progression is from service-based business to product. It's not the other way around, typically. And the way service providers turn stuff into products is through a process like this. Mm-hmm. By finding out how things went, by refining those, doing pre-mortems, which is essentially just referring to your old post-mortem before the next project, finding mm-hmm. that little space, you know, when the train is not quite at the railroad tie, to do that reflection, to do that planning so that you then... Yeah. and refine that process next time. And it really, the thing that it stitched together for me when I was thinking about that, just that little gap, is this is precisely how I view uh, my, my current meditation practice, which is that through practicing my meditation, I'm not seeking peace inside of that session necessarily. I'm reflecting and trying to be aware of my actions and my thoughts and behaviors so that in my waking life, I have a little bit more time in between thought and action to think about how was it last time when I just reacted to this emotion? Was it good? Was it bad? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Nine times out of ten times, it's bad, you know? Um, and I end up <laughs> sleeping on the couch then. <laughs> exactly. And how, how many times, well, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I, I, I am, I'm inside of the argument that I was in yesterday, and I'm like, why am I doing this? I know how this went, but I don't have, I don't have the gap. I haven't been able to create that gap um, between the death of the last situation 
yeah. the, the learning and then preparing and doing something differently and, based on my And learning. when the emotions or whatever start that process of self-destruction, it's too late. Yeah. yeah. Train's already moving. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So what? And, and so, the, and, and that's, that's oh. a great metaphor for projects. I mean, I think, I think the same thing, you know, once you've committed to a client and you've said, yeah, we can do this work. If you haven't taken the time to prep yourself for how you're going to make that project better than the last time, then you're just down that whole path again. You've delayed that process for another two months or however long it takes, you know? Yeah, totally. And, and I find that with this sort of, so I find with this kind of stuff, there's this balance between, you know, there's, I, I think there's definitely a way to do too much of it. Like mm, I've sure. seen people who do, do what we used to call work about work. You do work about work too much and you've got your, your work in this whole system and you, you start to lose track if, if real work's actually getting done. Right. <laughs> um, and so that's, a, that's one, one extreme and one danger. The other danger yeah. is not doing it at all. And you go, like we've talked about several times already, you go sort of white knuckling and crazed through whatever's going on in a full on survival mode, heart beating a million miles a minute, just trying to, you know, you know, you get off work, <laughs> you go to have drinks with your friends and it's all like, yeah, man, things pretty good. How you doing? Oh yeah, that's great. Okay. You're just like, <laughs> you're just going nuts. Um, and eventually that burns out too. Fizzled. Right. So. So yeah, then you, you get a, you get a a different kind of danger over there. So what I'm interested in now is how can we practically apply, how can Fizzlers practically apply this to their business so that it's, uh, it's useful. I'm thinking of my, myself, right? So I have a YouTube channel with all these videos and I have to be posting videos all the time, right? So one of my postmortem is looking at potentially how some of those videos are doing, which ones are better, which ones are not. What's, what are the commonalities between what's better? And obviously I want to be making videos. I want to be getting more from every video that I make. So, so it feels like more, I have more leverage, right? So I'm more efficient. also, like in that process of creating a video, how did you come up with the idea to begin with? Right. Um, you know, how did you script it? Yeah. Sort of like we did with Fizzle Courses at some exactly. point. So that every time you do it, it's not, you know, just kind of reinventing the wheel. Mm. It, so that you can have a checklist to say, this needs to be done, this needs to be done. Yeah. And then you can kind of evaluate the process and, and make it better each time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. I like it. So how do we, how do we do, what's the practical, what's the practical application of this? Like, how do we give people some steps into doing this, Aiden? Yeah. I mean, well, uh, without, without giving too much of a spoiler, because, you know, we're, we're being spontaneous. We haven't created this yet. Um, <laughs> but I full well plan on providing a hit list, right? Okay. Um, and I think, Chase, that, that recommendation, that kind of consideration of doing work about work, are you, and you guys said it recently even, you know, are you being productive or are you just being active? A process yeah. like this can get away from you. You know, a process like this can become the point, which is, it's not the point. The point is to develop better process. It's not yeah. to yeah. become better at doing postmortems. Yeah. Um, so so I, I'll hit you with just kind of a, a couple, um, just kind of straight up questions. And then just like, we can dig into a hit list of considerations to make okay, sure that cool. you are not just running a postmortem, but running it effectively you know are yeah. you getting out of it what uh ideally what you know, the whole point is so um you know there's there's uh in the format that i have right now there's an overarching kind of set of considerations these are things like you know picking your time period um are you reflecting a, on a project is was there a clear start point is there a clear end point are you doing this monthly are you doing this quarterly are you doing this with a team um are you doing this with a client or on a client right <clears throat> 
So, um, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> well, um, you know, I mean, we get different strokes, different folks, you know what I mean? <laughs> hey, man, people get paid for a lot of different kinds of things, man. No judgment. No judgment, no. baby. None, none nearly. We're okay, all so, very open to stuff. So picking your time period is, is what, what do you exactly do you mean by that? So for us, um, with my agency, we tend to do things quarterly. Any more than quarterly tends to be two-hour conversations way more often than it needs to be. Yeah. So yeah. Um, when, we, when we do things quarterly, the, the overarching considerations are like, um, are we proud of the general progress um, over this last period of time? Um, and then, you know, if yes, what things were particularly good, and we kind of talk about that, write some of that stuff. And then if no, what were some things that were particularly bad? Uh, what was the single most frustrating part of this period, of this project? Um, and then, you know, it's like, what would you do differently to avoid that? Um, Hold on. These questions are great. Hold on. These yeah. questions are really great. I feel like this is the meat right here. I heard, mm-hmm. are we proud of the general process? Are we proud yeah, of the, the process of, and, the, and the progress? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I heard, what is the single most, uh, what was the single most, uh, painful part of this was that i hear that right yep frustrating painful frustrating yep. yeah Ooh, i like that and i like this I, I like this because we were we were talking about project-based postmortems the whole time and uh that applies you know to a lot of different kinds of businesses but any kind of business can do a time-based postmortem right Absolutely. to say to say what worked and what didn't work over the past quarter for example. yeah yeah Yep, absolutely. And and the whole thing is with the way I like to do this, this is the overarching set of questions. So these handful of questions apply to a time period or a project on or mm-hmm. with a client. Um and then <laughs> and then they then they kind of branch out from there. So you can go as deep as as you want and always with that consideration like you were mentioning Chase about, you know, let's not get too into the weeds. Let's make sure we have a, a bread a breadcrumb trail back to sanity yeah. and real world yeah. <laughs> application. Uh, but uh-huh. yeah, so like, so these are really things. What was the single most thing? Um, and then, you know, being constructive uh, is super, 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 super helpful. And this is, this is the stuff that um, psychologically keeps people from continuing a process like this. These questions are hard. Most of these questions, you know, as good as it is to find these successes and to reverse engineer that, that grand slam home run, most of the time, the pain is the most visceral. Most of the time, the pain is the stuff that we focus on. And as we all know, you know, it's it's useful to dwell and learn from the pain, but it's hard to continue to be motivated to do that because it sucks looking at yeah. that pain. Um, so, you know, you want to look, um, you want to look at this stuff, but almost like astro projectedly, right? <laughs> so, like, zoom out, almost like you're the man. You know, you guys talk about you know CEO versus worker B stuff. So as the CEO, um, in a kind and tolerant way, um, what went wrong not being, uh, having any aspect of blame, um, you know, this is a team effort. We're here to diagnose illness for the purpose of curing, not for the purpose of dwelling. So, um, so that stuff is really, really important is to make sure that, especially if you're doing it with a team, you know, um, to be direct and say like, listen, I, I didn't feel like you were pulling your weight or I didn't feel like um, something that you were doing was, was 
was up to snuff, and I, I felt like I was contributing more to this process. You want to be very careful about the way you discuss those kinds of things, and yeah. if you're doing it with a client, you know, it's there's ways to do that where you can always make sure you keep the bigger picture in mind, that solution-oriented perspective. Yeah, yeah, so that seems like it's coming from some personal experience. Like, mm. I can imagine... I can imagine talking about some uh, projects and just getting down and down and down and down and down and down and yeah. just going like, yeah, what's the point of even getting on any new clients at this point? Why would I start another project? <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This last one sucks so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and, and, and honestly, that does happen to people, right? I mean, people decide to give up. There's a reason that a lot of service providers approach us saying, I just really want to create a course or write a book or do something that I can do once and sell over and over again, yeah. because service work can be so painful. And a lot of people do end up giving up at some point. Yeah, yeah totally. This is what children are so useful for guys. Yeah. This is what children are so useful for, because then you're just like, I've got bigger problems than this in my life. And so this just has to work. Let's move on. Let's move on. Exactly. <laughs> like and like I have to feed them. They're literally point, yeah. just appetites. They're appetites. I need to feed them with, with my food and my time and my love. And I can't help it. Like I won't be the same without it. And so this needs to work. All right, let's move on. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, so the real, the, the point of what you just said is there's a couple things. So the objectivity is, is the key because, what you want to make sure is objectively, if it is that terrible, you do want to make sure that you you have a good sense of accurately understanding and, and appraising, appraising, this is something I should give up. From an objective perspective where there's no emotion attached, I should not do this again. <laughs> I, yeah. should, I should totally pivot 180. I should do something else. Uh, yeah. We want to make sure that we're, we're open to seeing that, but at the same time, we don't want emotion to cloud uh, the motivation when and and force us or in, in uh, kind of like uh inspire us to give up when in fact there were just a couple red flags that we could pretty easily navigate away from next time yeah so um it's about objectivity you know it's about removing the emotion from the equation that's hard that's hard for people to do it's funny i've been studying i just completed this three-month coaching program uh with my friend dan tokini and he's like this baller older dude who's been doing this for forever like trained with with the guys who trained tony robbins and all that kind of crap right but like that level i've seen him in a room doing basically like intense four-day group coaching with just people who've come from all over some of them are drug addicts some of them are like high-strung ceos some of them are like older dudes who've lost their wife some of them are you know but all of some of them are me and my wife, you know, just dealing with our marital issues and, and just where we are in life and stuff like that. And uh, like just watching him force people to get into objectivity about their own situation, like about the most intense things in their life. And this in- incredible, powerful uh, insight will come t- for them through it we're like geez i've never thought about it that way and then they're just like gone into their journal like what about this what is this you know what i mean i gotta call my dad whatever but like (laughs) that kind of objectivity is actually what i've been studying like how to do and how to help people do about you know about their lives and stuff like that but about just projects like this and it is what a what it's such an amazing like tool to have in your tool belt as an entrepreneur because what it is is it's a commitment to uh success You know, it's a commitment to like, hey, it doesn't matter if I got this wrong, I'm going to get it right. You know, whatever, Mm -hmm. like whatever the, whatever the right thing really is, I'm going to get it right uh, in time. I no bad if I, if I messed it up, I assume I'd mess it up. This is my first time doing this. Do you know what I mean? I assume I just made this up as I went, you know? (laughs) Yeah. 
you know, and we, we talk all the time, you say like at the beginning of every episode, how we're committed to helping people do something that they actually care about for a living. Right. And whether or not you care about or love the thing that you do matters as much how you do it as what you're working on. Right. Because you can, you could choose, you know, your greatest passion in life and do that for a living, whatever it is, and still end up hating it because of the way in which you're going about it, because you're making things hard on yourself in just in terms of the chaos, uncertainty, uh, effort involved in running a business, you know, and, and vice versa. You could find something that maybe isn't your most, you know, connected sort of passion, but you figured out a way to implement your business so that you're fired up about it because you get to, you, you have control over it. You feel good. You like the people that you work with, all that kind of stuff matters, you know, yeah. and, and I think you're not going to get there unless you're doing this self-reflection or this business reflection, right? Right. Precisely. Right. Yeah. And yeah, you've okay. got, you've got okay. like, keep going. just, yeah, before, not to jump in there, but I just wanted to point out those, there are very specific questions to make sure that you're keeping that kind of stuff in mind too, Corbett. It's really, really, really important to say, even when, you know, the whole thing was, was it, was a, ooh, a sh- show. First bleep. <laughs> um, Let me just set my little marker mi- there. <laughs> set the marker. No, but seriously, even in situations like that, something must have gone right. Maybe you just had a good chat with somebody in the middle of the process that you realized you weren't alone in this terrible, terrible project. You got you had somebody in the trench with you. That's good. That's something to remember. That's something to keep in mind, even if everything else mm. was just an utter disaster. So making sure that you find the silver lining wherever you possibly can um, is really, really important to achieving that objective balance. Because, you know, like you were saying, Chase, so this is this is this is not something you can just be like, oh, the answer is to be objective. I'll just yeah. do that. You know, yeah, no. it is yeah. it is impo- if you're especially if you care about what you're doing, um, you have a certain sensitivity to it. And, um, this is where, this is where mind expansion through chemicals comes in real handy. So for me, one of my favorite buzzes is a, is a, is a kind of good cigar, a really cheap beer and a cup of bad coffee. Like that to me, you get been there for that, that combo. That's real, uh, it's good, right? Mellow, talkative, mellow, chilled out, ruminatory. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just like a Coors and a, and a, and a cigar and a and a cup of bad coffee like just homemade mr coffee coffee nothing yeah special. if i recall it was coors banquet beer that you liked it, of in course it's a banquet beer <laughs> it's the better it's the best looking can on the market besides highlight you know and that's nice. the bottle so corbett before we get on to the next bit here uh, i want to go more into practically applying these how do we get fizzlers to actually do this because i'm getting turned on by this stuff but we've got a sponsor today corbett who is sponsoring the fizzle show today Yeah, our sponsor today is Discover.bot, which is an online community for bot creators. This was created by Amazon, actually, and uh, they made Discover.bot to serve as a platform-agnostic digital space for both bot developers and enthusiasts of all skill levels to learn from one another, to share their stories, and to move the conversation about bots forward together. Because this is a new thing, right? We're just realizing that we can interact with computers as a conversational sort of practice and uh, they're trying to create a community to further that conversation. So discover.bot 
is really trying to sit at the intersection of ideas and innovation. They want to help people turn their experiences, their discoveries, stories, advice, and knowledge into part of a shared canon that can move everyone forward. So it's both for veterans and beginners alike. So discover.bot is a place for learning, teaching, and talking. You guys can find out more about what discover.bot is doing by going to discover.bot slash fizzle. And if you're sitting there wondering, like, what is this all about? How do I get involved? How do I put bots to work for my business, either as a chat bot or a voice bot or whatever? At that link, discover.bot slash fizzle, you will find a full beginner's guide to bots. Love it. All right. So where do they go again for for discover? Just discover.bot. Slash fizzle. Slash fizzle. There's a dot bot TLD now. There are a lot of different TLDs these days. I know. I, I'm just. So, I'm still just like wondering. Like, when's it gonna? When's the first thing? When's the first thing that you're gonna go? Damn, that's cool. And it's like a dot club. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like <laughs> the boys dot club, and you land on it. And you're like, damn, this is actually dope. Like, what is this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like it's like dot co. Like we're getting away with dot co, but everything I pay attention to is still at a dot com. You yeah, know, we got a dot agency. Dot agency. Dot agency. Yeah. See, yeah, if I yeah. had an agency, that would be that would be fine because is it like an agency is like you're kind of you're 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 approaching RFPs and stuff like that. It's not necessarily just like a search game. But what correct about, me if I'm wrong, Aiden. Do you guys get a lot of business from search, or is it mostly RFPs and people requesting uh, you know proposals from you guys? It's we don't do much RFP, so it's okay. it's either search or it's you know referral based stuff. But okay, got the it. dot agency wreaks havoc. With incoming emails or outgoing oh, emails, like really? Hotmail doesn't recognize it. So, yeah, uh, I bet. in hindsight, we've done a postmortem on this dot agency. <laughs> we <laughs> will not hindsight. be doing this again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. New new TLDs are problematic because there are all yeah. kinds of systems out there that just learn to recognize domain names, and they're not set up for that sometimes for the for the yeah. new ones. But yeah. if ever I there's get... a dot amazeballs TLD, yeah. I'm going to go for it. You're just going to go. I dot amazeballs, just the one yes. letter, just the one letter domain name <laughs> with like 15 <laughs> letters in the TLD. But, uh, but, uh, okay. So let's get back into this. This is, uh, this is doing postmortems. All right. We're looking back on what has happened in the last project. And I think ideally for people who have never done it before, there's like, there's a lot to go through right now. Do you know what I mean? There's just like a lot of projects that they p- could potentially look at, try to remember how things went. And, uh, and get some insights about what are the red flags, what are the dark clouds that we didn't see coming, but there are signs for. Also, what was great about this? What can we uh, duplicate again and again in future projects with future clients or in future products? Uh, so, in the interest of getting people to really apply this practically, what we've talked about so far is I- I've heard a, I heard two questions. I think there was a, another one I missed, but my favorite right now is you just think about a time period. So it might be in the last quarter, right? It might be because we're up at the end of the end of the year now. It's a perfect time to start going like, okay, where are we with, with our projects? What projects can I go back and just ask these questions of? Am I proud of the general process and the progress that was made during that thing. Are we, pr- are we proud of how it went? Number one. Number two, what was the single most frustrating part of this? And, and I guess that has the following follow-up question of like, what can we learn from that? Right. Yeah. What can we learn from that applying going forward? I love this to me. Those two pro those two questions alone seem really, really valuable as a postmortem. Cause like it's more than most people are doing right now. 
right? And it and it just gets you looking in that objective sort of way back at uh, what you've been doing to see today how looking forward we can learn from the past and make better decisions. So I don't know, Aiden, what else comes to mind when we think about helping fizzlers apply this to their business right now? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll hit you with the six other questions oh, from boy. the overarching section. Oh boy! Um, and and keep in mind, we will we'll definitely have something. There's there's several categories here. This is my overarching category. There's a systems and tools category. There's a communication. There's focus. We'll figure out how to distill this. Oh man, this is awesome! So we're gonna make a we're gonna make a doc for you guys, a, a PDF of some kind that you can download when you go to fizzleshow.co/slash-two-nine-five. Okay. Fizzleshow.co slash 295. That's where you're going to get this. Uh, what do we call it? Like the tear sheet, the postmortem tear sheet. I don't know. <laughs> I, I love how enterprisey stuff. It's always like, you remember white paper? I remember the first time I heard white paper. I was like, what is that? Oh, well. What's a white paper? Oh, it's a really boring essay. <laughs> Got it. Never <laughs> yeah. mind. Never it's mind. The so color boring. that every other paper is too. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Never mind. But there's like tear sheet, cheat sheet. I like cheat sheet so much to me. Like our, our sketch sheet, the 80 20 business, uh, Business model sketch sheet to me is still one of the most valuable tools. Like I can, I can give that to any entrepreneur in a conversation and it'll absolutely focus our conversation every time, every time. Mm-hmm. It's a crazy like tear sheet. Yeah. Tear Only sheet. Because tear is the, also spells tear. Yeah. And- <laughs> That's like going to that. be painful. There's going to yeah. be tears. Okay, so at fizzleshow.co slash 295 is where you're going to be able to download this tear sheet and, and have all these questions. So let's go through a few more. Yeah, so so yeah, Chase, you nailed the first two. Um, are you proud of the general progress this past fill-in-the-blank time period? Um, what was the single most frustrating part of this year or quarter? Um, then how would you do things differently? Um, that's number three, um, okay. to avoid this singular frustration. So we're not talking about the whole thing. What one thing would solve the whole process? There's probably many things, but the single frustration, the main pain, is there is there one thing? Is there two things that you would yeah. do to to kind of um, avoid that? Um, then number four, <clears throat> what was the most gratifying or professionally satisfying part of this period? Um, yeah. And I really like that one because it doesn't have anything to do with re- revenue. It doesn't have anything to do with growth. It has to do with did this did this hit the thing that you were hoping to do when you set out to do this thing in the first place? Yeah. You know, are you feeling it? Yeah. So. I really like that one. Um, which of our methods or processes worked particularly well? So now we're trying to think about uh, things that actually, you know, worked. Um, let's focus on that. Even if it's, even if it's like, you know what? Um, we responded to that frightening email fast. Usually yeah. bad news travels slow, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So even if it's bad news, um, we ponied up and, and we, uh, we got the response back at the client that said like, hey, what the hell, you said it was going to be done. Yeah. You know, usually it's like, well, it's not done. An email's not going to fix it. I'm just going to respond tomorrow. Right, right. Uh, when in fact, you know, responding right away could, could solve half, half the, the more pain, or maybe not. You know, that's why we're measuring this. Yeah. So, um, shall, I, shall I keep going? You want to dig into well, any I, of those I, so far? Yo, I love these. These are all, these are all great. I mean, like, I, yeah, so... Uh, I think we should hear some more. And so this is all under under the which umbrella of yours? The 
overarching. So this is just over- setting the whole stage. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. setting the whole stage. This is like good. What I love about this is it is it's broad. It can apply to anything, anyone's business. You know, how would I do things differently? What was the what was the most? I love like I love your language here. Gratifying or professionally satisfying part of this yeah. period, right? These are all powerful, and I hope people are like writing them down. But the truth is, you'll be able to go to fizzleshow.co slash two nine five and just download this sucker and print it out and and start you know asking these questions of yourself. Um, Okay, so here's where I'm. Here's where I'm thinking now. We've talked a little bit about because uh, what I what I get the sense of is we're gonna we're gonna have like this document that's gonna help people get like these these questions in, and you basically you just answer these questions and you've done a postmortem, right? And insights have fallen out. Like you can go back through the written stuff and you can just circle the things that are important about the next one, right? Or you can go, you can make your postmortem in Evernote and you can highlight the bits that are, that are important. And so every time you, you do another postmortem or you're starting another project, you can just go back, quickly read the highlighted bits. And now mm-hmm. you're in that mode again. You know, I love little things like that, little tricks to help me get in the mindset of like, oh yeah, that's right. This is going to cost me so much time, money, and energy. Do you know what I mean? It's like every yes in my life costs me energy. And like that's energy I can't give to my wife, to my son, who's a, who like needs a lot of it right now, to my, to my overarching strategy of my business, right? So I'm getting pretty serious about those highlighted bits in Evernote nowadays. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, totally. uh, so given the fact that they're going to be able to download this list of how many questions do you think there are on there so far? Well, that there's eight in this little overarching section that I've got. Um, and, uh, I mean, but then we, you have we, other sections, right? Yeah, we've got other sections. This is this is definitely something that that we can we can build out as deep as we want to because there's other sections, then there's subsections that are that are only applicable to client related projects. Okay, um, so there's certain sections that are team internal team based. So, can you give me a, a like what's what's the next section on your list? For example, this is a systems and tools. So, so things sy- like which ones did you use and for what purpose? Interesting. See, that's super valuable. Yeah, I remember. I remember looking what am I at like paying for. That yeah, I shouldn't be paying for exactly. <laughs> and then, and then when you like try out something new, like you kind of you you have this process in play that you know, like I'm going to look back on this. So if I'm not using it, you know, three months from now, we'll know it, and we can just turn it off. And so our hope is that it makes our life better. But if it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, hey, no bad. Both are favorites. You know. Okay, so systems and tools. What's the next heading? Communication. This is okay. a heavy duty. What, how does this one work? What's this one? So this is, and you guys know this well, everybody hates meetings that go long with no point. So we tend to make sure that, you know, are we happy with the communication methods that, that are using? So the tools, are we chatting and chat apps that are, that are good? Are we having good phone calls? But then also is how, you know, a scale of one to 10, like time wasted to time well spent, how would you grade the effectiveness of like, scheduled meetings versus impromptu spontaneous phone calls things yeah, like that yeah um and then also kind of client phone calls you know client phone calls are, are a big one to talk kind of on two fronts you know half of them is like fun and games to to make sure that your account executive ship is keeping people happy but also you want to make sure that you're giving actionable advice to your clients if you're if you're doing some service stuff yeah um so there's kind of a split there, and you can you can take a peek at that. There's no right answer. It's just you know very very subjective. But right. Good things to consider. And for a lot of people who are running solo businesses, it's that's probably isn't like a non-starter unless you've got. Uh, and le- what I mean by that is it's just not some a category you're probably going to spend a lot of time on because you know all of the client interactions are happening via email or whatever or 
um, I, or I, I like, I don't talk to people, you know, it's just comments right. on my website or, you know, or whatever. I mean, I think that's a lot, that's a lot of the dream for a lot of us is right. like, you know, one of the things I was thinking about, by the way, this is, you know, up to now it's like, turn off all the notifications. Everybody, you want to be able to streamline your notifications and only do email when you're doing email and stuff like that. And I was thinking yesterday about like, you know what you should do really? You should turn on all your notifications. You should get loud pings every time the world says, here's what I expect of you. Here's what I'm demanding of you. So you know, like, because otherwise your email just gets out of control. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and so it's like, you're just, we're, I'm personally living in this fake world where I have all this time and energy when truly every time I go into my email, it's, it's like psychologically it affects me, you know, precisely because I'm only getting in every now and again. Yeah. And those are basically. You want to compartmentalize how it affects you so that it doesn't ruin your whole day. I know, but you know, this is why this is such a crazy, like, uh, like a crazy idea. Do it. But I'm like, (laughs) make a video about that. (laughs) What a, what a medium post, right? See if it catches What a medium post and just go like, Hey man, just so you know, it's important when you send me an email and this wasn't that important. So like, yeah, you need anything (laughs) for me? Don't cancel your Facebook account. Sign up for 10 of them. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Subscribe to every invite to every well, that's group the and every event. <laughs> that's, it. that's exactly it. It's like, well, I'm not on Facebook. I don't do Facebook, right? And so, But I do do email. Like I, I, All my bag companies rely on the email stuff, and people are sending me bags. They're getting let down because I don't do the video in time or whatever. So it's like I, I've got expectations that I'm managing at a way bigger level than or a more personal level than I'm used to. When it was just fizzle, we were getting a lot of customer support stuff, but that was all understandable because – we had this common product that we were interfacing through, you know, whereas this is now it's like, I'm just getting, I'm just getting hundreds of dollars worth of product. And I'm like, I, I don't know what to do with it. And I'm not going to review it because it's not very good. And, and then people are like, did, why didn't you did that? I'm like, Oh yeah, it wasn't very good. You didn't want me to do that. Trust me. Um, so anyway, anyways, just that it was tripping me out. The idea that like we can run from our communication uh, or, or silo it or compartmentalize it. And that, that is actually a really good strategy. It's what I've used up to now for the last like 10 years of professional digital media person thing. That's what I've like gotten really serious about doing is just being able to cut off, cut off when I pay attention to that stuff. But what real organizations with lots of people know is that how your organization communicates is how your organization does in the world. It's like, it's a one to one and and if you're communicating well you there's just more of a likelihood that the good idea is going to rise to the top and be heard and that that actually makes all the difference for this product or for this customer or for this that and the other right at least that's the hope so communication could be a huge deal for a lot of people out there and not that big of a deal for others depending on your your business but this is one of those things where you might be surprised if you take another sip of coffee right and another sip of the Coors Banquet beer and another drag on the uh, on the <laughs> on the cigar the before you before you let this go. Do you know what I mean? Before you like let this question go, like oh I don't talk, I don't have a team, so I don't do communication, right? Yeah. And really think about how your time is spent in interacting with your customers, your clients, your uh, your your coworkers of any kind, your your uh, uh, contractors right? Mm-hmm. Your customer support for your server that went down and or whatever, right? It's just one of, it's just one of those things where you go like, well, actually I do spend a lot of time in email or in text or in Slack or in, and how's that working out for me? Just that other one of those crazy like moments, you might find some interesting stuff. Yep. Yeah. And the only thing I'll kind of add to that last little bit is, is two things. Cause this is philosophical as well as practical. Should you be having more human interaction? <laughs> 
mm-hmm. right? <laughs> mm-hmm. If you are one of those intra- entrepreneurs that are totally alone in front of your computer all day, just grinding inbox zero out yeah. day after yeah. day, is that really like just exam? Just take a take a second examine. Is that the way you want to be? Do you want to, or do you want to kind of cordon some of that stuff off, make some filters, and um, and have a couple real phone calls with some real people? You know that yeah. even if you have to schedule it, even if it's not business related, that oh, just I hate scheduling. Insane. I, I actually have a call. I have a call with uh, with a fizzler, Kalen Huntress, after this just to catch up. And and it's like it was like I really wanted to talk with him and catch up, but I, I like it's so hard to schedule stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was just yeah, like, totally. all right, well, Tuesday's my day for podcasting. And so that's the day that everything gets scheduled on. By the way, that's a good trick. Mike Vardy turned me on to this where it's like you theme your days out. And basically I have Tuesday, which is like, that's work day. That's when like stuff needs, like I have to record the podcast. The podcast has to be ready to go out. I have to, whatever, any other meetings or anything like that, always go on Tuesday for me. Yum. It's great. Okay. Here's the deal. We got to do postmortems on our projects is what we're learning. Or we can. You don't have to. I'm saying you got to because you care about your business succeeding and you care about you not burning out in your business. Because like Corbett was saying, you know, there's there's this really powerful thing where where like Instagram is awash with learning to live your bliss and find your passion and and like get and and get really fired up and do the things you really care about and it's massive i love it it's killer but it's also full of shit. it is full of hot air it is full of 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 wishful thinking right yeah so it's a weird delicate balance to do to do that intelligently this is the kind of thing that causes intelligence in you a postmortem looking at how this actually went Instead of just going like, you know, like with your blinders on, just running roughshod and going through the like, I don't know, going through the the like uh, 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 the, the motions of whatever comes your way. I don't know. I like living like that, too. But when you got to be responsible for supporting yourself and you start to, you know, start to realize how volatile that kind of life can be. Um, I don't know. You start taking things like this seriously. Aiden, any last thoughts here? Yeah. The last thing is when you're done with this, we love to kind of do a little ritual, which is kind of signing in blood, typically, uh-huh. a commitment to either yourself or your, or your team members. And if it's okay, I'd, I'd love to read you the one that we use. Let's mm-hmm. do it. So, I am fully prepared and 100% committed swallowing the potentially uncomfortable truths just discovered and systematically fixing any and all negligible aspects of my process. (laughs) I also dedicate myself to my team members' current and future and pledge to support them and assist them in any way possible. Late nights be damned. The past had it easy. The future has no idea the hellfire we're about to unleash. (laughs) I love that, man. That's so great. (laughs) How good is that? That is just cheesy perfection. (laughs) (laughs) i love it okay so guys you're gonna be able to find all the show notes and the tear sheet for this uh for this podcast episode at fizzleshow.co slash 295 okay that's fizzleshow.co slash 295 thanks to the boys for being on the show find care take care serve hard and dig in y'all we will talk to you next week on the fizzle show till then keep it popping am i gonna end things with that now keep it popping We'll see. Bye-bye.